It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Why didn't the Cowboys offer a contract to Odell Beckham Jr.? And do the Cowboys even need him going forward? All that and more this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast locked Network, your on. team every day. Locked On. Locked, locked, locked On. Welcome back to the Lockdown Podcast, Lockdown Cowboys Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. He is Landon McCool. Check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm excited to start our second podcast that's just about the art of podcasting called Locked On Podcast Cowboys. I like that. Well, uh, we so we're, we're locked on podcasts, but we are cowboys that are locked Listen, on Listen, I have not had enough coffee yet today. It's been, <laughs> it's been a busy morning. Uh, all right. We've got a, a busy show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about Odo Beckham, and then we're going to get to some mailbag yeah. questions. Yeah. Let's start with some Beckham news. The Cowboys had him on a visit on Monday and Tuesday. Seemed like the visit went well. Mike McCarthy said it was really enjoyable. They had a lot of time to chat about football and non-football related things. Um, but the Cowboys did not offer him a contract, according to Jane Slater. And they are a little bit less optimistic that a deal gets done. 10,000 foot view here, Lena. What do you think of this kind of two-day saga that went on between the Cowboys and Odell? Well, I think the most interesting part of the of, of the saga that honestly has the most impact on this was not even not about the visit or not about uh, uh, you know the pictures of Odell going to the Mavs game you know or any of that stuff. To me, you know, the thing that was the most eye opening and enlightening was the revelations that we heard from the Josina Andersons of the world and 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 the like of exactly what teams were thinking about the health of Odell Beckham. Yeah. To me, I, I think, and, and what's also interesting too, is that it seems like now that, you know, the, the visit is over and it seems like the, uh, the temperature of this whole situation has cooled quite a bit. There's a lot of kind of retroactive, uh, 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 recursive folks that are suggesting that the Cowboys uh, are trying to pretend to themselves that they don't need Odell Beckham Jr. The thing that's changed here guys is that the, the, the odds of him, you know, playing this season at a high level, ba- just based on what we're hearing on, you know, updated information on his medical, makes it sound like this guy is not playing football this year. Or if he is playing football this year, he won't start playing football until we're in the playoffs. You know, Josina Anderson basically implied, hey, this was an 11 month injury last year. 11 months for this year would be uh, uh, another, you know, few weeks at least three weeks i think is what she said so um to me that changed the angles of everything right like i'm not this my interest in odell beckham jr is is for this year and and even for this year i had concerns about how quickly he could get into this our building how quickly he could get 
uh, into the system? And and would he disrupt the whatever chemistry the Cowboys currently have on offense while trying to kind of force feed him in? This makes all the angles even worse. Like if he's having to come in even later, he's not. Yeah. He hasn't had a supervised rehab process. Uh, there, you know, he's trying to vie for a multi-year deal when we're not even sure he's going to be playing this year. I don't know. This is not the same deal that we were excited about going into this situation. And I think that's why a lot of us are kind of changing our tunes is because this is not what we were expecting to get out of Odell Beckham. A couple of things. It's always really easy to tell on social media who's getting their information from who, right? Because I saw a tweet yesterday, like the Cowboys are 24th in wide receiver production. They they absolutely need a player. Like, like oh, okay. Uh, that's one thing. Um <laughs> It's to me, it's been concerning over the last month that we haven't seen the usual hype video of Odell working out, right? Like, you see it all the time. Like, oh, look at him running in sand, look at him changing directions, look at yeah, the awesome or, catch. We have, or even if you yet. do see him, even if you do see the videos, because I do think he has some videos out, it's it, none of it is like, yeah, what you're describing, changing direction, exploding off that foot. It's like him lifting weights and like not doing anything on the knee that that is like you know, showing any kind of progress it just you know is basically kind of generally suggesting that he is staying in shape which that's not what we're looking for no, we're looking to remember, for remember uses. michael gallup was doing that stuff in july and august and look how long yeah. it took him to even get back on the field and then start to look like his usual self so i i think that's just what's going on here he's not running he's not cutting he's probably still two months away to be nice more likely three and i just i think the cowboys are still interested but i think they're less interested if he's not going to help out this year yeah i mean i think i think that the, the the whole deal is that this was all prompted by odell beckham deciding that he wanted to kind of open bidding on his on his uh, situation and you know it's week 14 some, man. we're, we're some getting into this- crunch time right well, there's some kind of there was some kind of you know implication that he was cleared, and I think that like later on I did see someone like rightfully, and I wish I could remember who it was, rightfully go, you know, there's a difference between being cleared, like you know, and being cleared for football activities, you know, and I think that that's where we are is that you know he's cleared to walk around without a brace, or, but that I think he's cleared to start to working out. If I had to guess, maybe, but that's still yeah. I mean, he's still a ways away from playing football. Yeah, it's it's. This, By the way, I, I just. I, just to be clear, I, I still am, I kind of want Dallas to still sign him. Even I don't with have intention. an issue. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it. Like I think if I, I don't have an issue with him signing him, I think it's you know, but I'm not like I'm not going to go give him a bunch of money. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he like especially if he's not willing to, uh, you know, work out with us. I, I think that you're hoping that if you're going to sign a deal here, that you're going to get a serious discount for next year. Like in, in, you're going to be getting a, a good deal on the contract. I'm not willing to give Odell Beckham as it currently stands, you know, twenty million dollars a no. year or whatever it is. No. Like he needs to be. This needs to be a prove a deal that he can come in here. We'll give you some benefit to work out uh, with our medical staff for the rest of the year. You give us some benefit of you know lessening some guarantees and then giving us a cheap contract next year. I'm interested in that, but. I, I think we should all kind of temper our expectations as far as what Odell Beckham put, yeah. could potentially would even be providing for the Cowboys if he even were to sign to the, yeah. the Cowboys. And I'm still not opposed to the Cowboys giving him a kind of phony three-year deal, like where one of the years is this year, basically just to get him in the building, getting practice. It's avoidable. So. Yeah, and then the next two years are, you know, 
guaranteed money that's not fully guaranteed. And I don't say that just because he and I share the same agent, which I saw somebody point out on Twitter before. Uh, I, I just I think he would be a good fit in this team. It's just I, you can't expect him to play at all this year. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's just a uh, that's I think what's the biggest news about this week is that the angles of of what we what we should expect from Odell Beckham has changed, and I think that that really changes yep. the interest level as far as I'm concerned. There are some people wondering on Twitter if the Cowboys even really need him with the emergence of a certain receiver on this team. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a second, but wanted to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Turo. Toro is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. Landon actually just used them a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely love the experience. With Toro, yeah. you can book any car that you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip, get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Or if you just need to find an affordable economy car, if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B, many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive forever at Turo.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Landon, let's let's talk a little bit about CeeDee Lamb, who's performed pretty well over the last couple of weeks. I actually have two questions. This first one's from Gorn. He wants to know, the term number one receiver is pretty silly and overused by fans. Yes, yes, that's true. But is it fair to say that CeeDee Lamb has officially taken that next step into elite status? And the second question is a really good one. Is this kind of third-year breakout by Odell? This is a question from Kyle, by the way. Or Sorry, third-year breakout by CeeDee. Does it remind you of when Dez broke out in 2012? If so, who was the more dominant player? Hmm. They're very different players. They are very different. Um, well, first of all, to answer the, the first question, I mean, elite is such a nebulous term. It's 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 difficult to uh, it's difficult to kind of place people here or there, especially when they're on the fringes. I think there obviously are some players that are clearly elite. Uh, and they're, you know, when you're talking about someone like CeeDee Lamb, who is uh, ascending, an ascending player, right? It's 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 difficult to kind of figure out when they've crossed this imaginary threshold of elite. Yeah. But I, I would say that at this point, he is becoming an extremely dangerous receiver that, you know, obviously is going to be the main focus of defensive game plans. I think that that's, to me, the the minimum requirement for a wide receiver one, right, is a, a, a wide receiver that the defensive coordinator's number one focus on trying to stop, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think what what's made him elite or has made him made the case for being elite is what he's done with the football once he's once he's gotten in his hands yeah. right yeah. Uh, i think that the, the targeting the the focus on the offense is what makes him the number one wide receiver what he's doing with the football once he has it that's what's making him elite um and i think that that's really been 
the missing element from his game as it translated from the player that he was at OU to now, right? Yep. Is, you know, and, and in college, he was the elite of the elite at, with the ball in his hands after the catch. Like he was just imp- impossible. I mean, I, I keep thinking back to that that Texas game. What wasn't it the Texas game where yeah. I'm pretty sure he broke uh, uh, at least one tackle. They had like all four guys defenders. wrapped right around him. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that that's you know that's what we're starting to see now. We're seeing him being slung to the ground and him slinking his way back up off the ground, and we see him run through arm uh, arm tackles. Uh, we just see him physically dominating folks, and I think that that's I, I gotta say like he's always been a very lanky you know, kind of skinny looking dude. I saw him post game yesterday. He, I mean, he's just rocked up now. Yeah. Like, you notice he yeah, just he looks physically different than he did in, in previous years. So uh, I think that that's really, you know, that kind of lanky, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, what's the word they used in the replacements uh, that he had? Like wiry. He used to wiry. be like a very wiry player, right? Yeah. And now yep. he's like, he's rocked up. And I think that that's helped with that element of this game. I think that that what we're seeing is that as he starts to bring that element back up to where it was in college into the NFL, that yeah, he is going to start entering into that elite conversation because he's just gonna be so dangerous with the ball in his hands. I got some stats for you. Are are you ready? Yeah, I actually did I some work pre show. Uh, all right, according to Pro Football Focus, he is the fourth highest graded receiver since week three. The players ahead of him, I believe, are Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Justin Jefferson. Those three guys are the, the like those three are the three clear elite yes. wide receivers in the NFL. So the fact that he's in that group is 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 a good sign. Uh, next one, uh, most games with at least fifty or receiving yards. I feel like fifty is a good amount, right? If you get to that, at least you're helping your team in some way. The only player in the NFL to have more yards per or, or fifty yard performances than him, Stephon Diggs at eleven, CDS ten. So every week you can count on CD to have some kind of impact in the offense. And as much as I love Amari Cooper, and I know you do as well, that was one of the flaws that Amari had last yeah. year and through his Cowboy career. So he would have these monster games and then be two for 29 the next week. Just it's, disappear. It just really hasn't yeah. happened with CD. Mm-hmm. And that, that's uh, yeah. you know, consistent with a week-to-week. That's a huge thing, right? And I, and I like that 50-yard marker because that shows you, hey – at the very minimum, he's getting this amount, like which is yes. you know a hundred yards is obviously unrealistic. But you, your number one wide receiver should be generating at least fifty yards receiving yards every game. You would yeah, and he actually leads the NFL in most seventy or more yards this season. But fifty is, I mean, ten out of twelve games or ten out of thirteen games to have at least That's fifty great. yards, good number. We know Des Des had a lot of those games where you know it's three for thirty one, and you just wonder why didn't they get him more involved? One more. Since Dak has come back in the lineup since week seven, he's averaging 10.2 yards per target. And I can't even begin to explain to you how ridiculously efficient that is. I mean, Dez in his career had one season where he averaged over 10 yards per target. I think Jerry Rice had one year in his career where he averaged over 10 yards per target. Dak and CD are just so stinking efficient together. It's incredible. And He's on pace, even despite having Cooper Rush early in the year uh, and having a poor week one game. He's on pace to have 1,400 yards and close to double-digit touchdowns this year. He has absolutely crossed over to that elite threshold. I really want to point out this distinction between what you just said. That's 10 yards per target. Not per per reception, guys. Per target, meaning every single time – 
he gets targeted or a throw gets thrown, he's averaging 10 yards. So that includes all the incompletions that he's had, all, any kind of uh, negative play that didn't work out. Even with the, all of that added in, he's still averaging 10 yards a target. That's that's an incredibly I, efficient target. <laughs> I, just just to double check, Jerry Rice had one year in his career where he averaged 10 yards a target. It was in 1995, and that was the season he had 1,900 yards. One year for Jerry Rice at it. So what CD's done the last two months of the season is unprecedented. And I know that we get frustrated sometimes because him and Dak read things a different way, or he might have a drop here and there. But it doesn't really matter that much when you are that efficient. I, I think it's, he's been incredible. I think that's what we kind of need to readjust. And, and I've been guilty of this as well, too, is that we need to live with these interceptions <laughs> because, because honestly, like uh, uh, the, the, the rest of these games is what the result is, right? Dak yeah. is going to be aggressive with CD. I, you know, we want to kind of adjust that at certain times, but I think part of that is something we don't want to touch because it's, it is still producing this level of efficiency uh, with their number one target, which is, you know, something you don't want to get rid of. It, back to the kind of Dez versus CD thing. What's funny is yeah, I actually think absolutely. both of these receivers got paired up with the right quarterbacks because I don't think Dak would have been as good with prime Dez because Dez wasn't really a route runner. You needed to put mm-hmm. the ball into certain spots and let him go out physical defensive backs. And that's just not really Dak's game. He likes to see guys open and let them make plays after catching. Romo was the same way. Romo was better off at throwing the ball into certain spots and letting receivers go and make plays. It, it just ended up working out nicely that Dak and CD are paired together and Dez and Romo were paired together for most of their careers. I mean, if we're just going to kind of 10,000 foot view compare these guys, I think that if it just to put them in very, very reduced buckets, you know, CD is a much more skilled receiver than Dez yes. was. But Dez is a much more physical specimen than most yeah, wide receivers ever. Yeah, because he's 20 pounds heavier than CD, at least. Yeah, yeah. And explosive in a way that yeah. was hard to measure. I mean, he, I think he ran like a 1-4, 10-yard split, <laughs> which, is, which is actually what CD runs as well. I think a 1-4-9. They think they actually run very similar 10-yard yeah. splits, but the difference is that, that Dez had like 15 or 20 pounds on CD. Well, I think so. CD at the combine was 189. Yeah, Dez at his pro day was two twenty four, and not in his best shape, honestly. No, uh, not in, that, with somebody else's shoes. I mean, that's that's the difference. But at the same time, for CD, like in this Kellen Moore offense, he needs to be able to play all these different roles. And you're seeing yep. him last yep. week. Like they're using him in motion, and they're using him out wide and in the slot. And I actually told my uncle who I was watching the game with, I'm like, I bet you CD runs like seven miles throughout the course of a game by all the shifting and all the different stuff he has to do. That's just that was never a strength of Dez. Dez was better in so many other areas, but in this yeah. offense, the Cowboys kind of need that guy that can play all over the field. Yeah, and that was honestly part of the downfall with Dez is that we couldn't move him around the way you yep. wanted him to. So it made it easier for him to be kind of double teamed. And then yeah, that made it a lot more difficult to kind of get him the ball when you wanted him to make the play. I think it's easier to get CD uh, Lamb a, a solid target because of his ability to play all of the different positions and, and, and because of that scheme him open. This podcast is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, and we know that you do because you're listening to one right now, you can find those as well on Bet Online. 
It's always the fastest and easiest way to get in your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Landon, one more question. This one from Adam. He wants to know, at what point can Cowboy fans put their guard down and accept that this team can make a playoff run 2014, 2016, Last year, all come to mind when I think how far this team can go. You know, you, you can't trust until until it's done. You know, like I, I I don't know. I wouldn't tell anybody to put their guard down at this point. I I have belief that this is a much better prepared team to have a deep playoff run than than last year's team than than some of the other teams simply because I think that they have they play with a physical nature that those other teams don't didn't necessarily play with. I think the defense may be a little bit better than than what we have been playing with at different points. Uh, I think the the way that the team is trending in general is is you know kind of more in the direction obviously of what you're looking for. But I certainly don't have anything that like I can tell you or that the team can do that can tell you that this is you know going to uh, be a different result in the playoffs this year. I, I think th- the only thing that can make you feel better about that is it happening. Uh, because, uh, you know, look, the Cowboys have had a really good season this year. Unless something drastic changes, which, I mean, we are all hoping it does, it still feels like no matter what happens these last few games uh, that the Cowboys are likely to end up playing Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay to play to play in the first round of the playoffs. So they aren't going to get – you know, the easy road that um, I think some people hoped for, but honestly, you know, I keep saying this and I've been saying this for years. Like the, the easy road doesn't help you in the playoffs. I don't think, I mean, I understand the stats. I understand. Sometimes it helps you you get through a round or two. Right. Yeah. But I think that you, I I think if you want to get to the Super Bowl and win, you've got to be battle tested. You can't be surprised when you play, the best team in football next week. Cause that could be every week that you play the best, the best team in football until you get to the Super Bowl, Right. So uh, you've got to be, you can't be, it's like I said, man, you can't be afraid to slay any of these dragons. You got to face them all head on. So uh, I, I don't have anything to make any of us sleep better at night up until playoff time. It's just going to be the wait to get there. And the Cowboys obviously have a lot of work to do to get there. This is not, none of this is, is sealed yet. But I, I, I think the only way that any of us are, are going to feel better about this team and their playoff chances is, is to see them do it. And I, I think that that's what we're all waiting to see. Do you think this team is better suited to make a run than it was at this time last year? I do. I mean, I, I think that they're like, – like I mentioned, I think that they're more physical. I think that they're a better defense than they were last year on balance, just in balance like in overall. Um, and I think that – you know, I don't know that the offensive line uh, was as highly revered as it was last year, but I think that the res- what we what we could have at offensive line. 
by the time the playoffs roll around could be a much, much better crew than that was last year. I just think that they're much more physical. They're, they, they, they play a, a brand of football on, on the line of scrimmage that is uh, plays well in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I think I'm obviously still, still hesitant. I still want to see, you know, how Tyron Smith does. I want to see how they react to having uh, McGovern or, or Smith inside a guard. I'm assuming it's Smith. Uh, and and then how that all plays out, but I I, I feel I think um, better about this team just because of the way they're playing football. I think by the time this happened last year, it felt like we were limping into the last the end of the season. The offense was sputtering in a way that uh, it, it shouldn't have been. Uh, despite all the pieces that we had on it, it just felt like things were discombobulated. Right now, it feels like the offense is clicking in a serious way, and that the only thing that can really stop them is themselves at times. So, um, I feel a little bit more confident about the trajectory of where this team is ne- this year than I did last year. I also think the NFC is just weaker. I mean, that's also, that's another part of I, it too. Yeah, you look at look at the teams that were in the playoffs last year. Other than Philadelphia, Philadelphia is ten times better than they were last year. Like. Tampa's nowhere near as good. Now they they can still end up beating Dallas in round one, but there's no no Rams. Uh Minnesota certainly looks like a lesser version of Green Bay from last year. The 49ers are going to be without their quarterback, uh, at least for the first couple rounds of the playoffs. You've got Seattle, who is a pretty young team. It's the Giants, it's Washington. I mean, I think the Cowboys team at the very worst is similar to last year. They just it, they might have a harder route because they have to go on the road, but the competition actually might be easier than what they had to face last year. Uh, listen, have them having to play San Francisco in round one was just a nightmare scenario for them. So there's just, they were just a bad matchup for the Cowboys. And honestly, it exposed a lot of the, you know, issues that were going to be exposed probably later in the playoffs, even if they had advanced uh, through round one, you know, it, it's that lack of kind of, physicality that it felt like the, the Cowboys had a defense at times, the, the inability to kind of find consistency on offense. Um, those are not as big issues at times as far as execution with plays. Now, obviously the Cowboys still have penalty problems that they need to fix, but I, I think for the most part, you see a lot more uh, consistency. They have a lot more that they can rely on to be uh, so. good plays. You know, I think that's the real thing is that they didn't, I felt like an offense last year at the end of the year, they didn't have anything that they could rely on to consistently uh, be a winner, right? No matter who they were playing, they did a lot of kind of adjusting per opponent, which is I think a good plan, but they didn't have like the, the one or two plays that they could consistently rely on when things weren't going well, that at least could get them positive yardage. I think that the, the run game specifically on the right side of that offensive line uh, is something that they can rely on. It's something that they can, that they can do that. I think against anybody, maybe even San Francisco's defense, uh, and I think that that will be something that will be the cornerstone, the kind of uh, power, not, not not power run game, but like bullying run game will be something that they can game. build yep. as, a, as a cornerstone of this offense that they can work everything else off of. Next month is going to be really interesting. They've got some, I don't want to say cakewalk games because nothing's a cakewalk in the NFL, but it's how do you not take the cheese in this game like against the Texans at home coming off a, a huge win? Then you play Jacksonville, who's really struggled and gotten blown out by a couple teams before you play the Eagles. Like I want to see them continue to just dominate these teams, do what you're supposed to do, and not have a letdown. Like 
don't go into the fourth quarter all of a sudden down seven points to Houston. Like, put these teams away. Uh, and it'll kind of, I think that those will be good signs that the Cowboys are making progress and they're not maybe the same team they were last year. I, I mean, I'll, I would just add in, you know, like if you're looking for positive signs that things are better, think about the Rams game this earlier this year. I understand the Rams are who they are now, but the Rams were still, you know, relatively healthy and, and coming off a Super Bowl win when we played them. Those are the kind of games the Cowboys used to lose all the time, right? Like uh, 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 a tough Sean opponent McVay, on right? the like, road. Hey, you're playing... Sean McVay. Yeah. Yeah. On the road. Oh, th- those, those are the kind of things. And then the Colts game, right? Like that – I mean, Marcus, you more than anybody else, I think, can admit, like, how often, how much during that game were you saying, not this again? No, not, no, don't do this again. I think it was pretty tight late in the third quarter of that game. <laughs> but that game, but 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 they pulled it out. And and that's, I think, the difference yeah. this year and, 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 and some of these other years is that they have a level of resiliency. They have a level, level yeah. of talent that they didn't necessarily have that when they do turn it on, they're as tough as any team in football to stop. Yeah, I was talking to my brother this week uh, about that Colts game, and I just I, and I told him at the time, I said, once the Cowboys got up a touchdown, you just knew it was over. Yeah, you just did, and that's I think that's the different part of this team outside of the Green Bay game. Just gonna forget that game happened for a little bit. It just feels like once the Cowboys get that touchdown lead, these game they, they're pretty good at putting these games away. I think the offense knows how to step on the opponent's throats. And the defense gets into a situation where, okay, now we can hunt. We can go do what we want. We can do on that side of the ball. Cowboys are really good at closing out games this year. Like they have not, again, outside of the Green Bay game, they have not let these teams really hang around a lot. And again, that's just a sign of a good team. It's tough when you play a team that can run the football extremely well and that can rush the passer really well because as soon as they get a lead, it's it's yeah. a double whammy. They're, they're bleeding the clock, making you more desperate, forcing you to throw the football more, which is exactly what you don't want to do against Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, yep. Dorrance Armstrong. The list goes on. Yep. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All the same places that you would download the Lot.Cowboys Cowboys podcast. Check us out over on YouTube. I think we're like five subscribers away from 6,000. Come Maybe on, guys. Get it. Get a little push there. Uh, yeah. Follow Layden on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We've got the crossover show tomorrow, and then you and I are previewing Cowboys Texans on Friday. See you guys then. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.